Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we answer the question, what was it like to be a flight attendant during the golden age of flying? You know, I've flown with many former TWA flight attendants and found them to be very professional and passionate about their jobs. Now, I've always wondered why, and today, I hope I gain some insight into the golden age of flying and possibly inspire you to consider a career as a flight attendant. You know, the authors of True Tales of TWA Flight Tents, Memoirs and Memories of the Golden Age of Flying are joining me today, Kathy Campari and Stephanie Johnson. I'm excited to listen to their perspective on the world of flying today compared to the Golden Age of Flight. Well, welcome to the show, Kathy and Stephanie. I'm so excited to talk to you folks. Thank you. Thank you. You know, what, let's get started, I think, with uh, Stephanie. We were talking uh, a little bit offline as far as uh, flying and, and flight attendants. Let's start with the the background here as far as the golden age of flying. I think people nowadays, especially uh, some of the younger younger folks, hear about the golden age. What, what was it really like back then? Kind of a, a quick uh, an overview of that. Well, a, a quick overview it doesn't even compare to flying today. Uh, and you're smiling. It's the truth. The seats were bigger. Uh, leg room, leg room. You could actually stretch your legs out. And the service and the amenities that we provided for our passengers, uh, they just don't have any of that today. And uh, Kathy and I can go on and on and on about, uh, we literally had convection ovens front and back. Uh, so all the meals were very hot and they were cooked, uh, you know, a few minutes before they were actually going to be served. So they hadn't been sitting around. But first class is what I really wanted to talk about, because I can't begin to tell you how many steaks I actually cooked to order. When we took steak orders in first class, we asked them, how would you like your steak cooked? And they told us, and I became an expert. I love being a galley queen. And you, I had my own system. I could throw them out medium, medium rare, and well done all at the same time. Chateaubriand, we had uh, lamb chops on international. We had rack of lamb. Uh, I could just go on and on and on. And uh, Kathy, especially, you know, we loved international because international was it was just unbelievable. We served beluga caviar, believe it or not, from Iran. It wow. was outstanding. Pâtés. Uh, just it just goes on and on and on. The, the wonderful food we had. We had scalloped potatoes out of Paris that dripped in honey. Or honey. They dripped in butter and cheese and cream and they were just to die for the food we had it was just incomparable it was like eating in a fine restaurant wow that what a great picture you, you know you've placed out there but the other part of that too is and Kathy I'd love to hear your perspective on this was the service i mean the the and the fact that not only was there service but you your persona and your image was something that is really iconic in, in the world and the world over. That's that's what they trained us for, and uh, and the special you just had to be gracious. I would say graciousness was behind our service, and we you know we called people by their last name, um, took special orders, served drinks before takeoff. Uh, first class international was a series of, um, carts where we would bring out, um, linen and silverware and stemware. And then we would bring out hors d'oeuvres and then a salad cart and then, uh, the Chateaubriand and then all the other entrees would be served at the same time. But it was just you took pride in it because it was amazing. And, and the people that, that arranged the menus were the, were the top chefs in the world. And we were always getting new menus. And, and uh, even if you were in coach, you had a choice of three hot meals. And if you were vegetarian, you could order a vegetarian meal and though they were great 
And I will tell you, I flew first class several times lately, and I was very disappointed. There was no service. Interesting. Interesting. I had to ask for a, for a glass of wine, a glass of water. Um, I had to ask in first class going to New York with my daughter, do you have any food? <laughs> because it said we were going to be given, given a snack. And um, so I asked, sure enough, they had tons of food but they weren't offering it. And I thought, well, that's a different. Um, and I was talking to them and they were about to be furloughed. It was uh, before COVID, right before COVID. But um, I couldn't believe they had everything they needed in the galley and they weren't asking anybody if they wanted anything. Wow. So that, yeah. that points to the service side of things. I mean, you, you describe this picture of food, and uh, it's not just the food. It's not just the product. It's the service. And, right. and that's really where I think TWA excelled. Uh, and I think that we can actually take from that experience and from that example moving forward and possibly help our industry more in, in using TWA as an example, what we could do better. Can I give you a little short, I just thought of this. Years ago, I was uh, flying on a pass, on a company pass, uh, just on pleasure. And I was up in first class. And I was sitting next to a gentleman who was paying for the first class service. And being a good company employee, I kind of started chatting him up, da, 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 da. And the women that were the flight attendants in first class they put on a show that I said, wow, that, you know, because I loved working that galley and I wanted everything to be spectacular. These two gals just knocked it out of the park. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, the gentleman is sitting here and he has no idea, has no idea how wonderful this is. Um, he's just taking it all for granted. So, I did something a little different. I wrote an accommodation letter for these two flight attendants in first class. And whoever read them, they actually sent it to the president of TWA at the time. And he sent me a letter addressed to me at my home, didn't come, you know, in my company mailbox, thanking me for my comments about these two flight attendants and how to get that type of praise from somebody who is in the industry doing it meant that it was superb and that he was definitely going to make sure that their accommodation letter and his comments were put in their record. Well, hats off to you for doing that. First of all, that's terrific. I mean, that's uh, and also the fact that they they excelled in their service and were able wonderful. to impress you. Yeah, yeah, I, think that I was is impressed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you mentioned the service, and we mentioned the products. Um, and if I may, I'm just going to quick go to a quote on your website here, uh, and I think it kind of sums it up. Going to what you said as far as service is concerned, uh, it's it talks about your travel memoir that TWA flight attendants could. Like you said, cook Chateaubriand medium rare, but also could deliver a baby at 35,000 feet and survive a plane crash all while being immaculately dressed <laughs> from their never a strand out of place hairstyle all the way down to their mandatory high heeled shoes. Uh, but it does say. The glamorous lifestyle of a TWA flight attendant sometimes came at a cost. Uh, so we kind of want to relate that to, to today. When we say sometimes that came at a cost, we have to realize that there were some differences both in hiring and both in the ability to keep your job as a flight attendant. So yeah. maybe you could you could describe that and how that has changed and and uh, and whether you feel that that's a good thing that it's changed and what things you may think are are not so good or possibly could could be improved. Well, we have a story in the book about weight check, which was a huge, huge thing mm -hmm. uh, in the 60s and 70s. 
uh, maybe into the 80s. But if you were on weight check, they would they would go back to your hiring weight and you had to kind of stay within that hiring weight, you know, specter, even if even if you were hired at, you know, 100 pounds and now you were 110, which was fine, they might mention it. So um, uh, we have a funny story in the book about a beautiful British woman who flew for TWA. And apparently she was having trouble with her weight. So she went in to uh, Kennedy Airport for weight check, which meant a union rep would go with her. She would stand on the scale, you know, the old doctor scale. They'd move the the uh, weight thing over. And uh, boy, she was not making it. She, you know, and she was scared to lose her job. So the, the union rep said, come back next week. I'll have this all taken care of. <laughs> she came back next week and the union rep had put a dime with um, scotch tape on some level of the on the scale. back of the scale. On the back of the scale. No one Where could you see moved it. Those. Yeah. And she, he said, don't worry about today. I've got it all under control. The supervisor was there. She hey, stepped, stepped on the scale. She was nine pounds lighter. <laughs> <laughs> it was wow. a miracle. And they all congratulated her and good job. Well done. And she went on her flight. So from your perspective, though, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Only to find out that it was discovered. I guess everybody was passing weight check and that (laughs) mirror was uh, a full length mirror was placed behind the scale (laughs) for dime check. (laughs) But I had never heard of that. And I just thought that was a great story. So it is a great story because I would I've never heard of that period in the industry. And I've only been in the airline industry since 2001. Uh, a weight check. I mean, no one would have ever heard of such a thing. So I'd like to get your perspective on that. Um, you know, it, what do you think? I mean, I, 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 I'm wondering the weight, is that something that we should be checking? Well, the thing about it is uh, male flight attendants, they didn't, uh, you know, they weren't putting their thumb on the scale with them. Pilots, no. Frontline, your gate agents, no. It was only the flight attendants. So obviously that wasn't fair. That wasn't right. Right. Now, I think there was other hiring standards and standards to keep your job. uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that have to do with with whether you were single, married, oh. had children. So oh, yeah. maybe you could fill me in or, or clarify what I'm thinking of in, the, in those terms as far as what the restrictions were. Yeah. Um, when I was hired, uh, I had to sign a piece of paper that I would quit at the age of 32. My career was over. Uh, fortunately, uh, in the early 70s, the Equal Rights Amendment was passed, and uh, you couldn't fire people because of age. Uh, it did take a while for TWA to get over that. They didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, we had lawsuits because male flight attendants and pursers, they can have children. Female flight attendants could not have a child, and you couldn't even adopt one. So where's the standard there? Why can't a woman have children and have a family and get married? And, of course, there was the thing about the marriage uh, for a while. You couldn't get married either. But why could the men do it and the woman couldn't? So everything has changed, and that is all for the good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what, as far as the ability to hire a flight attendant, 
Um, that has changed as far as there are physical standards, obviously, right, for everybody. Um, but those are more for safety, you know, mm-hmm. in that you have to be a certain height so you can reach certain things. Right. Um, now, with all that said, um, would you see anything as a negative? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to imagine if there's anything as far as if these changes, uh, I, I think they're very positive, but possibly in a negative sense. Is there anything that you could think that that may have been uh, a change in the industry as far as the weight uh, and those standards are concerned? As well, a negative? If, you, if you can't get down the aisle mm-hmm. and we've all seen flight attendants that have a problem getting down the aisle, if you can't you know, get into the tiny space they give for the passengers to to get to a sick passenger. I mean, you're asking people, get up, get up, get out, you know, so you can get to someone. But imagine if you're huge. I I can see that's a problem. Right. But I don't know that they I don't know that they can uh, address that now. So, but, but, you know, and that's something else. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that, you know, the pilots, they have their specific uh, regulations as far as height, weight, um, that's not included. It's just the ability to pass a certain medical. We don't have that as for flight attendants, except they, they kind of do. And that's where you have to be able to get into the jump seat. And yeah. have to be able to 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 buckle into the jump seat. And the re- there's a reason I'm bringing this up. It's because I think we all think that there there are no height and weight standards, et cetera, at the airlines. And and you alluded to that as far as uh, you know a lot of people being a little bit bigger. Um, there, if you can fit in the jump seat, you basically can get hired. I mean, there's other standards too. You have to be a certain height to be able to to reach certain items, especially in an emergency. But it has more to do with with safety now mm-hmm. than it does have to do with aesthetic and yeah, people right. of all different sizes colors etc they they can have this aesthetic where it's brought about as a very professional matter it doesn't matter you know what if they don't they fit that one specific size and that one specific size uniform and i think that to me and i'd l- like to hear your feedback is a very positive thing is that we've actually opened this field up to so many different people well, that's 100% true. And as my husband and I were discussing right before the uh, show, and this has always been the number one thing, that the reason you have flight attendants on the aircraft is for your safety and to evacuate that aircraft. That's why we're there. And everything that we used to do before, that was just to get people to fly our carrier you know, it was the service aspect of it and how grand it was or nice it was, et cetera. The flight attendants are great. They're professional, et cetera. But the primary reason we were on that aircraft was to evacuate it. And if there was an illness on board, to be able to handle it. And uh, it was kind of interesting. I remember Whenever there was a crash somewhere in the United States or the world or something like that, um, when you were doing the emergency demonstration at the front of the cabin and the O2 or you're on an international flight and you're showing them how to put the life vest on and this type of thing, they were kind of blasé about it. If there was a crash, they, for weeks afterwards, everyone would be glued and watching you. And then as the memory kind of dimmed, they go back to la-di-da again. And, um, you know, it's that's why we were there. Absolutely. To add to that point, you know, I, I instruct at my airline, and a lot of people don't realize that as pilots, you know, I have to rely on flight attendants for much information, especially when it comes to safety. Just a couple of weeks ago, I actually consulted with some flight attendant instructors concerning uh, some evacuation procedures and mm-hmm. and th- certain things about a life raft, et cetera. We I think people don't realize that, that we rely on so many different people to help us, especially the flight attendants, we being everybody at the airline and especially the pilots. The flight attendants have that knowledge, and mm-hmm. that knowledge is is gained through training, but also 
some recurrent training and mm-hmm. constant evaluation. And I think that's part of the job people don't realize. Um, maybe you could speak towards that as far as, you know, I, I know that we do ours about once every year, but you could actually also be uh, checked in route, I guess they call it, uh, throughout the year. So tell us a little bit about that. And maybe if you've seen a change uh, throughout the years, as far as the safety procedures and the valuations. Uh, I I think that safety procedures are have stayed pretty pretty secure. Um, uh, we of course went to recurrent training once per year. Um, uh, if if we were flying international, we had to swim. We had to climb into a huge raft by ourselves, and if you didn't make it, you know you're back to domestic. But um, it was uh, it, it was always extremely important. And we didn't have defibrillators at the time. So that's much more safe now there. But my sister uh, just retired from another international airline. And she was saying, and she couldn't tell me much, but she said they were they were uh, taught how to take down a terrorist and all kinds of stuff. Uh, my jaw just dropped that that they knew how to do that. We had we had no clue. Uh, we were told keep them out of the cockpit if it's a hijacker. Um, so I think it's gotten much better in safety and. It's kind of scary for the flight attendants, but I think it makes them, if you notice when you see on television, you know, uh, a tete-a-tete between a flight attendant and an unruly passenger, the flight attendants don't back down. They, you know, of course they get the police involved or they might get able-bodied passengers involved, but um they they carry a, a lot of weight to bring that back. They carry <laughs> they carry a, they know psychologically. I think like don't mess with me or you're out of here. And um, and and of course that can take away from welcome aboard. Enjoy <laughs> your gracious <laughs> flight. I'm gonna now have you kicked off. <laughs> um that's a great point. I mean you you have this balancing act don't yeah, you, between customer yeah. service and complying with rules. I I would say that would cut into customer service <laughs> big time. But it's necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell you, it really is a tough job. I, and I hats off to the flight attendants. And I, I do say that I really appreciate what they do. And the fact that, um, you know, during flight and and during the boarding and during all these different processes, uh, we have to rely on the flight attendants quite a bit. I mean, we we have we don't come out of flight flight deck as much as we used to no. uh, for many reasons, security, safety. Um, we immediately have to turn to the flight attendants to help end to any other external bodies like an able-bodied passenger or the police, whatever it may be. So that's a bit of a challenge. Um, I think that challenge has always been there as far as dealing with the public. It, it just seems to be that it's gotten a little more physical over time. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering what your perspective is on that. Have you seen a change uh, from the years when you were in compared to Yes. That? Yes. Okay. Big change. And telephones. I mean, Filming. Yeah, they're yeah they're recording everything. If yeah. I mean, if you're being recorded, you're going to be on TMZ or whatever those shows are, <laughs> um, very quickly, and and you'll probably be paid. I don't know how that works. Yeah, but um, uh, so the other passengers, you know, documentation is good with the phone, but um, I saw one film on television where the captain came out and they were still at the gate and they weren't even listening to the captain. Uh And that really shocked me. And he just said, okay, they're out of here. And then the big burly police, you know, remove them. But um, I don't remember ever having the police come on our flight. 
uh, unless someone was dying or severely uh, sick. Interesting. It, that is that is a change, um, and uh, that's a societal change, possibly. Not that yes. we can explain it or figure it out today, but uh, but it is one of those challenges that I think is different now that you have to deal with uh, as a flight attendant. And uh, and I think that. But but with that said, I, and I really don't want to go too negative here, there are so many great things about being a flight attendant. And even though you have to make sure that you're ready for some of these challenges, physical and also dealing with people, there's so many great things. There's so many shining moments, I think. And those are the things that we sometimes forget about. Uh, and, uh, and as an aside, I absolutely love watching flight attendants deal with people uh, because they usually do a better job than I could. And I love the responses and uh, like, and yeah, I'm sure you've heard them and seen them, but you know, people say certain things to a, to a flight attendant about their looks or something or some uh -huh. snide comment. And uh, it's, it seems as if it's rehearsed that the flight attendant will come back with this response that just floors me. Either it's funny or it's like, wow, I never would have thought of that. But I think that comes from years of av actually having to deal with passengers. Uh, so uh, maybe you even have a story like that. Well, I want to tell you the first story in the book because people I, I tell this story to a number of people and they're like, oh. and this involves pilot and me flight attendant on the ground. Uh, we were supposed to go always up to the cockpit, introduce ourselves to the captain and tell him where we were working on the plane. So I was senior that day. I was working the first class galley. I went up, I introduced myself. He was a very senior captain. He said, Stephanie, if you have any commissary issues, if you need anything, if you're having problems with passengers, I want to know. And I thought, wow, where have you been for the last 10 years of my life? Okay, this is great. So I said, thank you very much. All right. We do up in the air, we do the service, full load. It's fancy schmancy, like I had described earlier. Everybody's happy. My uh, fine partner and I are sitting on the jump seat now taking a break call bells rung. I go out to answer it. There's a gentleman I can see in the last row of first class, and he's smoking a cigar. At that time, we had smoking on the airplane, and you could even smoke a pipe or a cigar. A woman a few rows before him had rung her call bell. I went over, and she said, could you ask the person who's smoking a cigar to put it out? I said, sure. And I'm thinking, yeah, I really want to put out too. So I went back and this is a little thing that I always told uh, new flight attendants because predominantly we had, we were, the planes were full of businessmen then, not as many uh, families except in the summer. I said, when you're asking uh, a man to do something, ask them nicely, turn around and leave. Do not stand over them like the principal or their mother. That's not going to help the situation. Turn around and leave. So I went back to this man and I said, sir, I said, I know you're enjoying your cigar, but I said, I have had a passenger that complained. I said, I have to ask you to please put it out. Thank you. Turned around and left. Five minutes later, the smoke was still wafting up into the air. I went back. I said, sir, I said, I know you're really enjoying that cigar, but I have had some complaints. And I said, could you please put it out for me? I appreciate it. Thank you. Again, I turn around and I leave. Five minutes later, smoke's still going. I went back. This time I pulled out the TWA Ambassador magazine from the seat pocket in front of him, whipped it open to page 29, which I had memorized, ran my finger under the rule that said, if somebody complains, you have to put out your pipe or cigar. And I showed this to him. And I said, sir, please put out your cigar. This time I didn't leave. He looks at me for a couple of seconds and he says, no. I said, oh, let me understand this correctly. I've come back here three times now. I very nicely have asked you to put out the cigar. I've showed you the rule. And I said, and you're telling me, no, you will not put out the cigar. You said, I'm not putting it out. I said, okay, fine. So I turn around and I go up to the cockpit because my captain had told me if I was having an issue, he wanted to know. I went in, I told him, he said, Steph, no problem. I'll be out to take care of it. I said, thank you. 
he comes out with his hat and his jacket on. And as you well know, with the hat and the jacket, that means business. He goes back to the last row. He says to this gentleman, he said, I'm Captain so-and-so. He said, my lead flight attendant has informed me that she asked you three times nicely and has showed you the rules to put out your scar. He said, I'm the captain. I'm only going to ask you once, put out your cigar. And the guy's just staring at him. And then he says, no. And the captain says, oh, you're telling me no? And he said, I'm not putting it out. The captain says, okay. Turns around, goes up to the cockpit. You're going to love this, Carl. Get, comes out with a CO2 fire extinguisher, walks down the aisle, breaks the seal, pulls up the noddle, nozzle, and shoom, fires off one at the cigar, and the cigar is covered in white CO2 powder, and that puppy is out. <laughs> and then he takes the cigar out of the band's hand, and he says, we won't be smoking any cigars now, will we? And turns around and leaves. And as he's walking past the galley, I am trying not to laugh out loud. I have my arms wrapped around my ribs. And he hands me this cigar, and I take it, and he says, throw that away. And he said, and if it's any more cigar smoking, he said, let me know. I have that. Okay. Wow. Needless to say, I did not go out in the cabin for a minimum of 10 minutes. That passenger never said a word to me. No other passenger said a word. Nada. I, as Kathy knows the story very well, she's heard it numerous times, but when I tell people this, their eyeballs fall out of their head and they're going, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. And I'm going, I was there. I saw it. There are, it's, it's always makes you speechless because there's on so many levels, that's both funny and yeah. amazing yeah. and would never happen today. Yeah, I know. That's what reasons. people say. Yeah. And, and a couple of reasons. Number one, we can't come out of the cockpit, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that would never happen. But but the fact that he did that, that's just phenomenal. Hopefully nobody gets the idea to do that. Uh, yeah. Don't pull out the, the fire extinguisher, or the halon and put out the cigar. Not that we would hear. And that's the other part of this. You would never hear about somebody smoking a cigar on board an aircraft or a cigarette. Uh, so 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 many things have changed. As you were you were going through that, there was just so many emotions and feelings that went through me. And, uh, and one of them was like, oh, my gosh, things have changed dramatically and oh my gosh this person really had some gumption to come out of the cockpit and good hats off to him hats off to the captain that's kind of oh, captain yeah Hunt, though. yeah and, and uh and the flight attendant too like yourself for doing that and and taking the time to go through the whole procedures etc because that's what you have to do and that's a great example of how you have to deal with a passenger that's non-compliant right and that's not complying with with the rules and when with the flight attendants and that's i think something that we constantly train for and that's something even today you'll see as a flight in flight attendant training that they'll they'll go through this process and uh and that's that's a that's a i'm going to use that example that's a terrific example of <laughs> of uh, of a flight attendant and a, and a flight crew and a captain getting together and dealing with a situation a very unique manner that we could never do again oh no <laughs> exactly no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow that and that's a big change that's a great story by the way there are so many stories in this book i didn't get to read the whole thing but there's so many uh, really cool stories similar to that in the book, True Tales of TWA Flight Attendants. And, and we should mention, you can find that book at truetalestwa.com if you want to actually uh, read the book, uh, look at the excerpts. And also, one of the really cool things is look at the pictures. Uh, if you don't <laughs> mind, I kind of want to talk a little bit about some of those pictures. There's this really cute picture, and I think it's of uh, Stephanie uh, at five years old. And you're you're on the you're actually on the air stair and it looks, is it a, gosh, I can't tell what it is. You tell me, is that a DC three or oh, it's, it's gotta be because I was, yeah. I was literally about five years old and uh, my mom and I took my dad to the airport. He was going um, on a flight business trip and um, believe it or not, it was kind of odd. The um, there was a gentleman there who had been hired to take pictures and they were going to use them for advertisements and they had them in big um, glass uh, boxes on the walls in the airport. And he uh, said to my mom, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, things were so much more casual, go out on the ramp and can we take a picture of your daughter on the stairs? And I want to use it. They'll use it for advertising. And my mom's like, oh, okay. You know, and, um, a few weeks later, my mom's taking my dad to the airport again, and 
there's little Stephanie right there in the glass case. And she was, oh, <laughs> she was a little surprised at that because she had no idea. She obviously, it was, you know, it wasn't, let's put it this way. She wasn't worried that the guy was a weirdo. <laughs> right, right. No, it's a, it was a whole different time. That's for sure. But I yeah. will say one thing, though. One of the things that excites me the most is when someone comes up and says, hey, can I get a picture in the cockpit? Can I get a picture on the flight deck? Can I get a picture? And and can I get some of those wings? I think that's the neatest thing. And, uh, you know, being based in Orlando for a while, I always see them going to Disney. And I think that that dream is still alive of becoming a flight attendant or of flying an airplane. Uh, and there is a pic- another picture in there you have of, uh, I think it was two flight attendants in the cockpit that actually weren't uh, flying. But I think one of the things you says, you know, they could fly today. So that's right. something else you've seen. And uh, I'm curious as to how many female pilots that you saw uh, while you were flying. None. Fl- None. None. Wow. I, I None. think I, might have seen one toward the end of my uh, flying career in 1993, maybe one. So this is what's really changed. You know, as an instructor at an airline, I see, I see females all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and that's actually something that has, has changed dramatic, which is a great thing. I think it's terrific that we see more people doing all these different jobs. The other thing too, is that uh, you're seeing more males as flight attendants too. You've seen that change uh, over the years. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people from other careers changing into the flight attendant field at an older age. That was mm-hmm. something else you couldn't do. We see ex uh, cops and firemen mm-hmm. and and EMTs, which make a perfect fit into this field. They've mm-hmm. had to deal with people. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of curious, Kathy, as far as you know, some of the pictures on here that that you've enjoyed. Um, I, I really, some of these really stand out, but one of the things I was wondering is, did you get to interact with some of these, you know, famous people, movie stars, et cetera? Yes. Oh, yes. What, yes. what are some of the ones, or, or maybe you could name one that you actually got to meet. Um, Sean Connery. Wow. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah. He was um, going to um, London, first class. Charming, charming. And we wow. weren't very full. He was just a dream. And his real name is Thomas. Mm-hmm. He showed me his passport. <laughs> <laughs> we became good friends. No, we didn't. No, <laughs> no we didn't. But um, we were so excited when he got on. But um, uh, I would say almost everyone I wanted to meet in the old days. I met. It was like <clears throat> manifestation, not money. I could manifest a celebrity all the time. Wow. <laughs> but um, you know, I wanted to meet Jimmy Stewart. I met him, you know, Cary Grant, met him. These were big stars. And wow. uh anyway, it was always fun. They were yeah. very nice. I I never had any trouble or or curtness from a big celebrity you don't hear that these days though i mean uh, for the most part most of the celebrities i've flown yes they've been wonderful but every so often they do get out of hand just like the regular customers just like the regular, yeah. regular customers um and and by the way kathy looking at some of your photos there is one that i i think is just it says so much about the industry. I see a photo of you earlier, but then I see this photo of you in this outfit and uh, in uniform, the Ralph Lauren uniform, yes. it, which you look great, by the way, in that picture. And uh, it's uh, what has changed over the years as far as the uniforms are concerned. And well, uh, do you think it's for the better? Oh, it's it's really for the better. But our best uniforms were always Ralph Lauren and we never deviated. He gave us a million dollar uniform and that was it. I mean, they may have changed a scarf or something, but that was the uniform till the end. And of course he does all the Olympic uniforms. Um, And they're just always so. They're classic. Classic. And Mm -hmm. you were proud to wear it. Mm -hmm. But um, I had somebody from another airline retired the other day say to me, well, our uniforms were from Kohl's. 
I don't know if you can, you may have to block that out, but we thought that was so funny. Yeah, they they have changed. They're much more affordable, (laughs) I guess is a good way to say that. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and that, that the quality does change dramatically. Uh, in the uniforms, that's for sure. Uh, I'm being diplomatic. Uh, but the <laughs> the other thing that's changed, though, and I think this is interesting, and I remember this. Do you remember the hot pants and all the, that era? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that yeah. would never happen. These, And that's when I started flying uh, oh. as, as a passenger. And uh, as a young man, you know, uh, that was very impressionable. Uh, and <laughs> so, yeah, we well, had... Well, you saw some of the pictures on the website where we had the hot pants, but um, I never wore those. And boots. (laughs) And the boots, right, right. So that was that was a different era. And and sometimes people will wear those, I guess, in the in they call it the retro style, et cetera. Uh, But that would again never fly these days. It's a lot different, Uh, but from in a good in a good way too. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I, I think it is good. The the new uniforms, the the, the dress where we are a little bit more comfortable and safer too. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you still have to look sharp. I mean, that's one thing. I, I will say that uh, you still need to look sharp. You need to, to dress well as a flight attendant because, number one, we talked about safety. But another thing, too, you as a flight attendant are the ambassadors to the mm-hmm. airline. You're the first person they see when they get on that airplane. And you're the last person they see as they get off. So the impression that you leave is an incredibly important one. And uh, and that's something I really would like people to take away from this. If you are thinking of becoming a flight attendant, I think customer service is incredibly important, which kind of is where I wanted to shift gears here is as far as this career as a flight attendant, um, no, first of all, where would you still recommend this? Uh, Kathy, would you still recommend yes. this as a career? And yes, why? I would. I would because it was so much fun to travel. The travel and I I mean on my days off, I could go anywhere in the world on a pass. And I did. I would run into friends in Paris and think, my God, did I ever think that I would run into anybody I know walking the streets of Paris? Happened all the time. Mm -hmm. And um we all flew, you know, we all tried to learn the languages. It was, uh, uh, Stephanie has a story about, well, I'm going to tell it because <laughs> uh, she was in Rome and apparently would go to this one wine shop for wine. <laughs> and um, lucky her. And she, uh Picked up a couple bottles of Chianti or whatever she purchased, brought them home, opened one up. Uh, she and her husband did not like the bottle. And she took the other bottle back to Rome and returned it. <laughs> now, we used we used the airplane, you know, so, like going to Costco, for God's sake. It Absolutely. was... I mean, we would buy, I never remember schlepping returns, but, um, but it was the principle of the thing. Well, apparently it was, you know, I never would have taken a bottle of wine back, but she also had to take an Italian speaker with her in there to explain what she was trying to do. And he was more than happy to, uh, take the bottle back or replace it. But uh, when you think of, all the items that we were able to purchase, <laughs> you know, as the custom agent said, boy, I wish my wife was a TWA flight attendant. <laughs> she can, you guys get so much for $25. That's, that was our limit, <laughs> uh, you know, on paying customs. And, you know, at Christmas time, we would come back with all our gifts, groceries that were legal. Um, it was a riot, but the customs guys, they knew, but they, they didn't didn't care. They didn't (laughs) care, but they would tease us. You know, (laughs) you got all this water for, for $25. Yes, absolutely. So did everybody behind me. (laughs) It was a sale. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. I think you you keyed on a great point though. I mean, it's amazing what you can do. Just I mean, you can have breakfast in Bonaire, you know, lunch in London, you know, and dinner, say in Dubai. I mean, it's just phenomenal what you can do and take these gifts from all these different areas and travel the world and interact with people. That's something I don't think many other jobs have. I could just wake up in the morning and say, I want to go see my relatives in in Rome. I just yeah. get on a flight to Rome and I'm I'm there by the next day. And that is phenomenal. It, it really brings it brings the world together as a passenger, but more so as a flight attendant. And it, as we it, say, it's the best education money could not buy. Never buy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't get this in a history book. Uh, and uh, and you actually get to see it. I mean, if you want to go to the Louvre, you don't have to look at a video on YouTube. You actually can go to the Louvre and 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 see the Louvre where we but have see, all these experiences online. Now you can actually do it in person. Let me interrupt for a second. The major, major difference between our job and the benefit that it gave us. If you're just Joe Blow off the street and you're doing a two-week vacation in Europe, you're in London for three days, you're in Paris for three days, you go to Geneva, wherever you go, and that's it. We went to these cities over and over and over again. So we really knew them and we knew where to shop. We knew that we, we go to the Louvre, you know, it was kind of like, I haven't been there in a while. I need to go back. And this was our life. And I can remember my neighbors when they'd see me in my uniform and they go, Oh, Steffi, where are you going? I'm going, Oh, I'm going to Rome. You know, I mean, it was like, I'm going to Rome and they go, Oh, you're going to Rome. And I go, yeah, yeah. You know, but that was just our life. And I, Oh, I have to tell you something. I just, I thought about this, you know, people, they were fascinated with us. And I used to live on the East coast and I would drive up uh, from the Philadelphia area to Kennedy for my flight. Well, I had to go across the Verrazano and the Gothels Bridge, and those were toll booths. And I was in my uniform. And when I'd be going through paying my toll, I cannot begin to tell you how many of the toll keepers would go, oh, TWA, where are you going? And I go, oh, I'm going to Rome tonight. And I go, have a good trip. See you on the way back. And I mean, how many toll keepers pay any attention to people who are giving them their money for their toll? And I used, I yeah, used to have ahead. my I used to have my hair done in London. Yeah. I went to a hairdresser only in London. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. these are experiences you could never having another job or no. if you do no. you you are probably one of those you're living the lifestyle of a rock star or a movie mm -hmm. star uh but you're you're doing it on a budget and and you're living just like them but uh you're you're actually able to experience more i think right yeah uh, and i think it's terrific that you become like a local in some places like i'm a local in certain places in aruba and i think oh. that's that's really cool i mean it's just because of the fact that you go to a certain place over and over um and those are terrific things you know we only have a few more minutes i i i could talk for hours and hours with you folks i mean this has just been absolutely wonderful and i think um you know i do have to get you know your your perspective uh you know stephanie as far as do you would you recommend this as a career well, actually, uh, I would. And okay. I'll tell you a real short story. I was in one of the local supermarkets and I started talking with one of the managers about, do you have this? Da, 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 da. The conversation evolved. And uh, don't ask me why. People tell me, tell me all kinds of things. I'm not crying. They just start talking. And uh, I, for whatever reason, I told her I'd been a flight attendant. She said, oh, I always wanted to be a flight attendant. And she said, but then I got married. I had two children. I had a job, da, 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 responsibilities. And she said, my kids are grown now. And she said, I'm thinking of doing it. And I looked at her and I said, do it. I said, look at you. I said, you look great. I said, you're obviously, you work with people, you are friendly. I said, you got to go do it. But I have to tell you the truth. You have to be very, very flexible because when you're brand new, you're not at the top of the seniority heap. You're not going to be able to possibly be based out here in California. 
You might have to be based someplace else. You're not going to be flying the plum trips. You got to work your way up, but you can trade into some of them. I said, so be flexible. But I said, go do it. You'll love it. Absolutely. That's terrific. I mean, that, and on that note, I think we can, we can kind of sum up and end here, but I really would love to, to talk to you more. I mean, I, oh, I'd love I, to I talk to talk, you. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> is just terrific. These stories are, are awesome. Um, by the way, if someone's listening right now or watching, uh, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We will send them along uh, and both uh, to either one, Kathy, Stephanie, if you have questions for either, but there's another way you can find them. And that's at truetalestwa.com. I have the link in the show notes. And right. that actually is where you want to go to find out more about the book. It's both uh, on uh, paperback, it's an ebook, and uh, you can find it in all different formats. But it's something, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I, what I've seen so far has been awesome. Uh, and what I think is really good about this book is you know it's not just stories it, it's it's actually something that's very relatable i think a lot of times we sometimes just want to hear the stories the good the bad uh, this kind of gives you a very good overview of the career you know this is a careers podcast but it's also fun it makes you laugh it makes it laugh at yourself and uh, it makes you realize that we've we've changed over time um, but it's also an exciting change and uh, sometimes we say we wish we could go back to the time when um, but i think some we have to continue to look forward and i think that's something that you've actually done in this book so far that i've seen is you've makes made us forward looking and i think that's terrific and i really appreciate both uh, both of you coming here and uh, and taking the time to speak with us here both kathy and stephanie uh any parting thoughts uh stephanie first before we go uh as far as uh, the career is concerned and and if someone's on the fence right now thinking about should i do this or not <laughs> well i would say do it cool. very simple I like that. just absolutely do it. And Kathy, what would you say? Definitely do it. Definitely <laughs> awesome. do it. No matter what your age. Yeah. It, you can't go wrong. Try one airline. If that doesn't work, try another. Bingo. I know people that have been through four or five airlines, but Absolutely. they got hired. Absolutely. Well, this has been terrific. Uh, like I said, I could continue talking to you folks for hours. Uh, if you want to ask questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. But I think there's something we need to key in on on this. And I, I say that at the end of, of every show, uh, but they've said it right there. If, if you're thinking of doing this, uh, do your research, try out an airline uh, and see if you like it. Most importantly, though, is to not stop, is to continue moving forward. And what I want to leave you with today is if you're thinking about this as a career, you know, keep doing your research, keep taking action today to find out if this is what you want to do, but always do this for me. Take one step today to move forward in your career, in your life. Well, again, this is Carl Valer with Aviation Careers Podcast. Please go out to the website. It's truetalestwa.com. It's a wonderful read. So far, I can't wait to finish it. I'm really enjoying it. And we would love to have the two of you back on again, both uh, Kathy and Stephanie. Thanks so much for being here, Kathy and Stephanie. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. We'd love to come back. Yeah. Thanks. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. And don't forget to take one step today to move forward in your career and in your life. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research.